0: You're listening to the Platte River Bard.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And this week, we have an extra bonus episode for you. We talked about it a little bit last time. Uh, We are going to present to you a different adaptation of A Christmas Carol, since it's kind of been Christmas Carol month this month for us on The Bard. Uh, We're going to present a Christmas Carol radio show that was adapted by one of my very dear friends, uh, Daniel Reardon, who is an assistant professor of English up at Missouri s in Rolla, Missouri, the old Rolla School of Mines. And uh, he adapted this back in 2016, and it was produced by a good friend of his, John Larson, who worked at the radio station there. And I thought they did a really nice job. Uh, Danny, or Daniel, excuse me, Daniel, Professor Daniel, I believe he's Dr. Reardon, actually, was um, uh, Scrooge in this, and his wife, Elizabeth Reardon, or Beth Reardon, as we know her, uh, plays a couple of characters, I think. I think so too. Jenny, she's a few yeah. characters. Uh, I think Miss Cratchit's one of them.
0: Yeah, and I actually met the Reardon's at Renaissance Fair. Yes, I don't know. Seven it's, years it's ago. It's been
1: a few years, yeah.
0: And when I met him, it was really cold, and he was wearing this ginormous poncho. Like, poncho. I'm, I'd never seen a poncho this big before.
2: Big poncho. And
0: I had met about 50 other people that day that I didn't know, so of course, yes. names were not sticking in my brain, and no. so he immediately became Poncho Man.
1: Poncho Man.
0: Anytime that I, he, Chris was referring to Danny, I'm like, oh, Poncho Man, which quickly <laughs> escalated into a, a singing version that goes along the lines of Macho Man. Yes.
1: Pancho, <laughs> Pancho Man. But he's
0: great, and he's got a great sense of humor and, and uh, super smart and talented. Oh, yes.
1: Oh, yes. No, Danny's great. He teaches English to all the engineers up there. We hope everyone had a great Christmas. Yes. Um, happy holidays. Having a good Hanukkah. All that good stuff. I uh, hope. Everyone's healthy, happy, and safe. Healthy would be good. Yes, and hopefully you had a good time and some fun stories. We had a fun time. We had an interesting holiday. Uh, Unfortunately, the only funny story that's sticking out to me right now involves a lot of bathroom humor. So I think maybe spare you that one time. I I think we'll save that for another time. It's not appropriate here today.
0: (laughs) I like to play jokes on my husband.
1: Yes, we'll just leave it at that. Um, (laughs) So let's get to it, folks. Uh, A little bonus episode. This runs about an hour. And it is uh, Daniel Reardon's adaptation of A Christmas Carol, and it was produced by John Larson.
0: Happy holidays. Enjoy.
3: Happy holidays and welcome to the KMSD production of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, produced by KMSD's program director, John Larson, adapted for radio, and directed by Daniel Reardon, assistant professor of English at Missouri s Tonight's broadcast features performances by faculty, staff, and students at Missouri S&T, along with community members from the Rolla area. Our cast includes John Larson, Jocelyn Larson, Elizabeth Reardon, yours truly, John Francis, and Daniel Reardon as the voice of Ebenezer Scrooge. Our story is narrated by Jeannie Stanley. Music has been provided by the Missouri s and Choir and Brass Ensemble and by organist Michael Bruning. So gather family and friends and enjoy our very own KMST production of Dickens' timeless holiday classic, A Christmas Carol.
4: Marley was dead, to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. This must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of the story I am going to relate. Once upon a time, of all the good days in the year on Christmas Eve, Old Scrooge trudged silently his menacing gaze descending on any who would befall his path from the exchange to his counting house. It was cold, bleak, biting weather, and foggy.
5: God rest ye merry gentlemen with nothing you dismay Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day To
4: save us all from Satan's power when we moved on astray
6: Please, sir, alms, alms for the poor. It's Christmas, sir.
7: Christmas is a humbug. Begone, you scrawny beggars!
2: A merry Christmas, Uncle. God save you. Bah, humbug. Christmas. A Humbug? Uncle! You
7: don't mean that, I am sure. I do, nephew. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What reason have you to be merry? You are poor enough. What reason have you to be morose? You're rich enough. Don't be cross, uncle. What else can I be when I live in such a world of fools as this? Merry Christmas. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding, (laughs) yes, and and buried with a stick of holly through his heart. (laughs) Keep Christmas in your own way, nephew, and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Much good may it do you. Much good it has ever done you.
2: There are many things from which I might have derived good. Christmas, it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God
7: bless it. God bless Christmas. Let me hear another sound from you, Bob Cratchit. And you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation.
2: Don't be angry, Uncle. Come.
7: Dine with us tomorrow. Why? And why did you get married, nephew? Because I fell in love. Because you fell in love. Oh, good afternoon.
2: Nay, Uncle, but you never came to see me before that happened. Why give it as a reason for not coming now? Good afternoon. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why cannot we be friends? Good afternoon. I'm sorry with all my heart to find you so resolute, but I have made the trial in homage to Christmas, and I'll keep my Christmas humor to the last. So, a Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Good afternoon. Ah,
3: Mr. Cratchit. Bob, is it? Merry Christmas, Bob. Yes, sir. I thank you kindly, Master Fred, and a Merry Christmas to you. And how is your family? Your wife and children? And the little lame boy,
2: Tim, is it not?
3: Yes, sir. Uh, Tim, sir. They're all well. Thank you, sir. Tim grows stronger by the day. God bless you, Master Fred. And to you as
2: well, Bob. I bid you good day and a Merry Christmas.
7: Merry Christmas, sir. My clerk, with 15 shillings a week, and a wife and family talking about a Merry Christmas,
4: (laughs) I'll retire
7: to Bedlam.
4: Scrooge's clerk, Bob Cratchit, in letting Scrooge's nephew out, had let two others in. They were pleasant to behold and now stood in Scrooge's office. They had books and papers in their hands and bowed to Scrooge. Scrooge and Marley's
6: i believe have i the pleasure of addressing mr scrooge or mr marley
7: mr marley has been dead uh, hmm these seven years he died seven years ago this very night
5: we have no doubt his liberality is well represented by his surviving partner at this festive season of the year mr scrooge It is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute who suffer greatly at the present time. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts.
7: Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons. And the uh, union workhouses, are they still in operation?
5: They are. I wish I could say they were not.
7: The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigor, then. Both very busy, sir. Oh, I was afraid that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. <laughs> I'm very glad to hear it.
5: A few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. We choose this time because it is a time of all others when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. What shall we put you down for?
0: Hmm.
7: (laughs) Nothing. You wish to be anonymous. I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, And I can't afford to make idle people, merry. I help to support the establishments I have mentioned. They cost enough, and those who are badly off must go there.
5: Many can't go there, and many would rather
7: die. Well, if they would rather die, they had better do it, and decrease the surplus population. Besides, excuse me, I don't know that.
6: But you might know it.
7: It's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon.
4: Then, at length, the hour of shutting up the counting house arrived. With an ill will, Scrooge dismounted from his stool and tacitly admitted the fact to the expectant clerk in the office, who instantly snuffed his candle out and put on his hat.
7: You'll want all day tomorrow, I suppose, Mr. Cratchit? If quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient, and it's not fair. If I were to stop a half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used I'll be bound. And yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work.
3: Christmas is only once a year, Mr. Scrooge. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every
7: 25th of December. Oh, but I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier next morning.
3: I, I will, sir, and thank you, sir. And Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge. Merry Christmas. Ba-humbug.
4: Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern, and having read all the newspapers and beguiled the rest of the evening with his banker's book, went home to bed. He lived in chambers which had once belonged to his deceased partner, Jacob Marley, They were a gloomy suite of rooms and old enough now and dreary enough for nobody lived in it but Scrooge. Now, it is a fact that there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the door, except that it was very large. But now it happened that Scrooge, having his key in the lock of the door, saw in the knocker without its undergoing any intermediate process of change not a knocker, but Marley's face. Scrooge! As Scrooge looked fixedly at this phenomenon, it was a knocker again. Bah! Uh, humbug! With that, Scrooge cast not a further glance at the door, but resolutely stepped within his house, barring further entrance with all manner of mechanisms. Once satisfied with his mean security, Scrooge trudged the long stairway to his rooms, made cavernous by its ancient and spartan furnishings. He settled into his bedclothes and produced himself a fire in his bedchamber's dismal hearth. It was at that very moment that Scrooge's glance happened to rest upon a disused bell that hung in the room. It was with great astonishment and with a strange, inexplicable dread that as he looked, he saw this bell begin to swing. What? What what, what is that? The, the, the bells! Through the house! that They are all ringing! The bells ceased as they had begun, together. They were succeeded by a clanking noise, deep down below, as if some person were dragging a heavy chain. Then, coming up the stairs, dragging straight towards his door. The heavy door was flung open, and a ghostly specter passed into the room. Who are you?
8: Ask me who I
7: was. Who were you then? You're particular for a shade?
8: In life, I was your partner. Jacob Marley, you don't believe in me.
7: I don't. Why do you doubt your senses? Because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheats. You may be an undigested bit of beef. A... A blot of mustard, (laughs) a a crumb of cheese, a a fragment of an underdone potato. (laughs) There's more of gravy than of grave about you. Whatever you are, you are a humbug, I tell you. Humbug! Ah. Mercy! Dreadful apparition! Why do you trouble me?
8: Man of the worldly mind, do you believe in me or not?
7: I do, I do. I I, I, I must. But why do spirits walk the earth? And why do they come to me?
8: It is required of every man that a spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world oh, woe been, and witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth and
7: turned to heaven. Happiness. You are fettered, Jacob. Tell me why.
8: I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it in my own free will, and of my own free will I wore it. The weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself was full, as heavy and as long as this seven christmas eves ago
7: i see no chain
8: nonetheless you have labored on it these seven years since it is a ponderous chain
7: jacob old jacob marley speak comfort to me jacob
8: i have none to give i cannot rest i Cannot stay, I cannot linger anywhere. My spirit never walked beyond our counting house, mark me. In life, my spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing hole. And weary journeys lie before me, I see. To know that no space of regret can make amends for one's life's
7: opportunities
8: misused. Yet such was I, oh, such
7: was I. But you were always a good man of business, Jacob.
8: Business? Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. And it is at this time of the rolling year I suffer most. Hear me, my time is nearly gone. I am here tonight to warn you that you have a chance and a hope of escaping my fate. A chance and hope of my procuring, Ebenezer.
7: You were always a good friend to me, Jacob.
8: You? Haunted by three spirits.
7: Is that the chance and hope you mentioned, Jacob? It is. I... I think I'd rather not.
8: Without their visits, you cannot
7: hope to shun the path I tread.
8: Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one.
7: Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over, Jacob? Expect the second on the night at the
8: same hour and the third upon the next night when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. Look no more, and look that for your own sake. You remember what has passed between us.
4: The apparition walked backward from Scrooge, and at every step the window raised itself a little, so that when the specter reached it, The window was wide open. Scrooge followed to the window and desperate in his curiosity, Scrooge peered out onto the dismal yard below. The air was filled with phantoms, wandering hither and thither in restless haste and moaning as they went. Every one of them wore chains like Marley's ghost. Some few were linked together, but none were free. Why are these
7: ghostly figures thus tormented, Jacob? Why do they wail?
8: The eternal misery has engripped them all forever. They seek to interfere for good in human matters and in punishment for their wasted lives pitiful spirits have lost the power forever. Mock me, Scrooge, the stroke of one. Mock
4: me! With that, the ghost of Jacob Marley faded into the unhallowed throng below, and the mist overcame and enshrouded the spectral throng. Scrooge closed the window and examined the door by which the ghost had entered. An exhausted Scrooge, his faculties quite reeling from all he had heard and witnessed, dismissed the lot with a defiant... HUMBUG! And Scrooge went straight to bed, falling asleep upon the instant. When Scrooge awoke, It was so dark that, looking out of bed, he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the opaque walls of his chamber. Light flashed up in the room upon the instant, and the curtains of his bed were drawn. Scrooge, starting up into a half-recumbent attitude, found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them. It was a strange figure, ageless, and at once old and then young. She wore a gown of the purest white, and round her waist was bound a lustrous belt, the sheen of which was beautiful.
7: Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am. Who and what are you?
6: I am the ghost of Christmas past.
7: Long past? No, your past.
6: Rise, Ebenezer. Take my hand and walk with me, past the window and into this night. Out the window? But I am a mortal and liable to fall. Bear but a touch of my hand, and you shall be upheld in more than this. Arise,
4: Ebenezer. As the words were spoken, they passed through the wall, and stood upon an open country road with fields on either hand some shaggy ponies now were seen trotting towards them with boys upon their backs who called to other boys. All these boys were in great spirits and shouted to each other until the broad fields were so full of merry music that the crisp bear laughed to hear it. Good heaven, I was raised in this place.
6: I was a boy here. These are but shadows of the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. The school is not quite deserted. A solitary child, neglected by his friends, is left there still.
7: I know. I am that child.
6: Alone and unloved, with only your books for companions.
7: Oh, I wish. But it's too late now.
6: What is the matter?
7: Nothing. Nothing. There was a child singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should like to have given her something, that's all.
4: Look here, Scrooge, towards the door. Hark! The door flung open, and a girl, much younger than the boy, came darting in, throwing her arms around him. It's Fan! My dear, dear Fan! My sister!
5: I have come to bring you home, dear brother. Bring you home, home, home. Father is so much kinder than he used to be. That home is like heaven. He spoke so gently to me one dear night that when I was going to bed that I was not afraid to ask him once more if you might come home. And he said, yes, you should. He sent me in a coach to bring you. And we shall be together, a family again, at Christmas. Your sister always was
6: a delicate creature, whom a breath might have withered. But she had a large heart. She died a married woman and had, I think, children?
7: One child, my nephew, Fred. How he looks like his mother.
6: We tarry in this place. Come, Ebenezer. Another Christmas, many years later. Do you know
7: this place? Know it? I was apprenticed here. It's Fezziwig's warehouse. And look, it's old Fezziwig. Bless his heart. It's Fezziwig alive again. Yo-ho there,
2: Ebenezer, Thomas. Yo-ho, my boys. No more work tonight. It's Christmas Eve, my fine fellows. Christmas, Ebenezer. Let's have the shutters up before a man can say Jack Robinson. Hilly ho, clear away, my lads, clear away, and let's have lots of room here. Hilly ho, Tom, chen up, Ebenezer, clear away.
4: In came a fiddler with a music book and went up to the lofty desk and made an orchestra of it. Away they all went, twenty couples at once. Hands half round and back again, down the middle and up again, round and round.
7: Oh, well
4: done! More dances, more cakes,
6: more Christmas punch! A small matter to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. Small? Small indeed. Why? He has spent but a few pounds of your mortal money. Is that so much he deserves this praise?
7: It isn't that. It isn't that, spirit. He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or burdensome, a pleasure or a toil. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it... Well, as if it cost a fortune.
6: What is the matter?
7: Nothing. I should... I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk, Bob it just now. That's all.
6: My time grows short, Ebenezer. Look beyond to another Christmas, but a few years hence. Behold.
4: At once they appeared before a park bench in a restful glade, sheltered from the winter's cold. Before them sat Scrooge, still a young man, but with the years wearing on his countenance, Tracing the early signs of care, greed, and avarice. Beside him was a lass delicate in beauty, diminished only by the pall of sadness cast over her.
5: It matters little, Ebenezer, to you, very little. Another idol has displaced me, and if it can cheer and comfort you in time to come, I have no just cause to grieve.
7: What idol has displaced you,
5: Belle? a golden one. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one, until the master passion gain and grosses you, have I not?
7: What then? I am not changed towards you, Bell.
5: Oh, Ebenezer, our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so. You are changed. I release you from your bond, Ebenezer. Have I ever sought release? In words, no, never. But if you were free today, tomorrow, yesterday, can even I believe that you would choose a dowerless girl? You, who in your very confidence with her, weigh everything by gain. I release you, Ebenezer, with a full heart for the love of him you once were. May you be happy in the life that you have chosen.
7: Spirit! Show me no more! Why do you delight to torture me? Remove me from this place! I told you,
6: these were shadows of the things that have been. They are what they are. Do not blame me.
7: Remove me! I cannot bear it! Take me back! Haunt me no longer! No
4: longer! No longer! Scrooge was at once overcome by an irresistible drowsiness, and further of being in his own bedroom. He had barely time to reel to bed before he sank into a heavy sleep. He awoke in the middle of a prodigiously tough snore, and sitting up in bed to get his thoughts together, he heard the faded stroke of one. The night and day had fleetingly passed in travel with the spirit. Scrooge perceived the very core and center of a blaze of ruddy light. The source and secret of this ghostly light proceeded from the adjoining room. This idea taking full possession of his mind, Scrooge arose softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. The moment Scrooge's hand was on the lock, a strange voice called him by his name. Scrooge obeyed. It was his own room. There was no doubt about that, but it had undergone a surprising transformation. Heaped up on the floor to form a kind of throne were all manner of holiday foods in such abundance that they made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. In easy state upon this couch, there sat a jolly giant glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch in shape not unlike Plenty's horn, and held it up, high up, to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peeping round the door.
8: Come in,
5: Ebenezer Scrooge. I am the ghost of Christmas present.
7: Spirit, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion and I learned a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you have aught to teach me, let me profit by it.
5: Come hither, Scrooge! Touch my robe, and we shall depart.
4: At once they stood in the city streets of London on Christmas morning. There was nothing very cheerful in the climate or the town, and yet there was an air of cheerfulness abroad. Merchants drew bundles and stacks of bounteous goods, heartily calling their wares. Customers were hurried and eager in the hopeful promise of the day. Scrooge and the ghost traveled on at a wave of the spirit's hand, and they appeared straight to Scrooge's clerks, to the home of Bob Cratchit. Mean and narrow though the hovel was, the spirit bade Scrooge to peer in the ruddy window and gaze upon the Cratchit family at Christmas. What has ever got your precious father then?
6: And your brother, Tiny Tim. And Martha is late as well. Here's Martha, mother. Why bless your heart alive, my dear, how late you are. Well, never mind, so long as you are come. Sit you down before the fire, my dear, and be warm. Lord bless you. No, no,
4: there's
8: father coming.
4: Hide, Martha, hide. So Martha hid herself, and in came Bob Cratchit, the father, his threadbare clothes darned up and brushed to look seasonable, and Tiny Tim upon his shoulder. Alas for Tiny Tim, he bore a little crutch and had his limbs supported by an iron frame.
3: Why, where's our Martha? Not coming. Not coming? Not coming upon Christmas Day?
6: Here I am, Father. I cannot bear to see you disappointed.
3: Oh, my Martha! Home for Christmas!
6: And how did little Tim behave?
3: As good as gold and better. Somehow he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much and and thinks the strangest things you ever heard. He told me coming home that he hoped the people saw him in the church, because he was a cripple and it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day Who made lame beggars walk, and blind men see?
6: Martha, Belinda, help your brother Tiny Tim to his stool. Mr. Cratchit, put the Christmas punch on the hob to simmer. Peter, fetch the goose in high procession.
4: Christmas dinner arrives. Places to you all. Such a bustle ensued that you might have thought a goose the rarest of all birds. A feathered phenomenon. And in truth, it was something very like it in that house. Mounting guard upon their posts, at last the dishes were set on, and grace was said.
3: A Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us.
4: God bless us.
6: God bless us, everyone.
3: Tell
7: me, spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live.
5: I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner, and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child
7: will die. No. No, oh no, kind spirit. Say he will be spared.
5: What then? If he be like to die, he had better do it, and decrease the surplus population.
7: Oh, you rebuke me thus with my own words?
5: Forbear that wicked cant, Ebenezer Scrooge, until you have discovered what the surplus is and where it is. Will you decide what men shall live and what men shall die? It may be that in the sight of heaven, you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child.
3: And I give you a toast to Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast.
6: Oh, no, no. Father. The founder of the feast, indeed. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. My dear, the children, Christmas Day. It should be Christmas Day, I'm sure, on which one drinks the health of such an odious... Stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Robert. Nobody knows it better than you do, husband. My dear, please, Christmas Day. I'll drink to his health for your sake and the day's, not for his. Long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt.
4: By this time it was getting dark, and snowing as Scrooge and the Spirit departed the Cratchit house and went along the streets. He and the Spirit were then at once in a bright, dry, gleaming room.
2: He said that Christmas was a humbug, as I live. He believed it too.
5: More shame for him, Fred.
2: He's a comical old fellow, that's the truth. And not so pleasant as he might be. However, his offenses carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him.
5: I'm sure he is very rich, Fred. At least you always tell me so.
2: What of that, my dear? His wealth is of no use to him. He won't do any good with it. He won't make himself comfortable with it. He hasn't the satisfaction of thinking that it's ever going to benefit us with it, and so, if I may, I'm sorry for him. I... Couldn't be angry with him if I tried.
4: Then they came upon a new game called Yes and No, to which Scrooge took great pleasure, as he had been borne aloft in spirit by the wealth of entertainments. Here's a new game. Just a bit longer, spirit.
7: Let us tarry here, but a while longer.
2: I'm thinking of an animal.
5: A live animal? Yes. A disagreeable animal?
3: Yes. A savage animal? Hmm, yes. Is it a dog? No.
6: An ass?
2: (laughs) Well, I must say no.
5: Does it growl? Yes. And stomp?
2: Yes. A pig? No. A cat? No. A bear? No.
5: I have found it out. I know what it is, Fred. I know what it is. What is it? It's? Your Uncle
8: Scrooge!
2: (laughs) It is! He has given us plenty of merriment, I am sure, and it would be ungrateful not to drink to his health. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man, whatever he is. He wouldn't take it from me, but may he have it nonetheless. To Uncle
4: Scrooge! The whole scene passed in the breath of the last words spoken by his nephew. When Scrooge and the spirit were again upon their travels, the dawning of awareness then reached Scrooge that the ghost had grown older and wan in appearance, as if the seasons drew heavily upon her. My life
5: upon this globe is very brief. It ends tonight at midnight. Hark, the time is drawing near. Observe, sheltered beneath my vast robes.
4: From the foldings of her robe, the spirit revealed two children, wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, and miserable. They knelt down at the spirit's feet and clung upon the outside of her garment. Spirit, are they yours?
5: They are humanity's and they cling to me. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both, and all of their degree. But most of all, beware this boy. For on his brow, I see that written which is doom, unless the writing be erased.
7: Have they no refuge or resource?
5: Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses?
0: Are there no prisons?
5: Are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Are there no
4: prisons? Are there no workhouses? Scrooge looked about him for the ghost and saw her not. Not a moment had passed. But Scrooge heard the tolling of a distant bell, lonely, forlorn, and distant, as though the tolling echoed through ages of Christmases past and present, for those Christmases wasted or forgotten, or rent with isolation and suffering, each toll chilled Scrooge to his marrow in dreaded prophecy of what may come. Scrooge remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley and lifting up his eyes beheld a solemn phantom draped and hooded coming like a mist along the ground towards him. The phantom slowly, gravely, silently approached. I
7: am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come? You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not yet happened but will happen in the time before us. Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I have seen. Will you not speak to me? Lead on. The night is waning fast and it is precious time to me, I know. Lead on, spirit.
4: They scarcely seemed to enter the city, for the city rather seemed to spring up about them and encompass them of its own act. The spirit stopped beside one little knot of moneylenders. Scrooge looked about in that very place for his own image, but another man stood in his accustomed corner, and though the clock pointed to his usual time of day for being there, Scrooge saw no likeness of himself among the multitudes that poured in through the exchange's door. They left the busy scene and went into an obscure part of the town where Scrooge had never been, although he recognized its situation and its bad repute. The whole quarter reeked with crime with filth and misery.
5: Let the charwoman alone to be the first and let the laundress alone to be the second. Look here, old Joe, here's a chance, if we haven't both met here without meaning it.
2: You couldn't have met in a better place. Come into the parlor.
5: What odds, then? What odds, Mrs. Dilber? Every person has a right to take care of themselves. He always did. That's true indeed. No man more so. Very well, then, that's enough. Who's the worse for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. No, indeed.
6: If he'd wanted to keep him after he was dead, (laughs) the wicked old screw, why wasn't he natural in his lifetime? If he had been, he'd have had somebody to look after him when he was struck with death, instead of lying there, gasping out his last there, alone by himself.
5: It's the truest words that ever was spoke. It's a judgment on him. Open that bundle,
6: old Joe. And let me know the value of it. We know well that we were helping ourselves before we met here, I believe. It's no sin. Open the bundle, Joe.
2: Sheets and towels, a little wearing apparel. (laughs) Two old-fashioned silver teaspoons, a pair of sugar tongs, and a few boots. Here, that's for the lot. I always give too much to the ladies. It's a weakness of mine. And that's the way I ruin myself.
5: (laughs) And now undo my bundle, Joe.
2: What do you call this, bed curtains?
5: Bed curtains!
2: You don't mean to say I took them down, rings and all, with him lying there?
5: Yes, I do. Why not? Don't drop that oil on the blankets now. This is the end of it, you see? He
6: frightened everyone away from him when he was alive to profit us when he was dead.
7: (laughs) Spirit, I see, I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own. My life tends that way now.
4: Merciful heaven, what is this? Scrooge recoiled in terror, for the scene had changed, and now he almost touched a bed, a bare, uncurtained bed, on which, beneath a ragged sheet, there lay a thing covered, which, though it was silent, announced itself in awful language.
7: Spirit, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson. Trust me, let us go. I understand you, and I would do it if I could, but I have not the power. Spirit, I have not the power. Let me see some tenderness connected with the death. Or that dark chamber spirit, which we just left now, will be forever present to me.
4: The ghost conducted Scrooge through several familiar streets, and as they went along, Scrooge looked here and there to find himself, but nowhere was he to be seen. They entered poor Bob Cratchit's house, the dwelling he had visited before, and found the mother and the children seated round the fire.
8: And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name, receiveth me.
4: What is it, Mother?
6: Are you all right? It's, it's nothing, Belinda. The color hurts my eyes, that's all. They're better now again. It makes them weak by candlelight. And I wouldn't show weak eyes to your father when he comes home, for the world. It must be near his time.
8: Past it, rather. But I think he's walked a little slower than he used these few last evenings, mother.
6: I have known him to walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulder, very fast indeed. But he was very light to carry. And his father loved him so that it was no trouble, no trouble. (laughs) And there's your father at the door. Sunday. You went today, then, Robert?
3: Yes, my dear. I wish you could have gone. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. But you'll see it often. I promised him that I would walk there on a Sunday. My little, little child. My little child.
7: Spectre, What man was that whom we saw lying dead?
4: With that, the apparition conveyed Scrooge to what seemed a great distance, as the wind howled and moaned about them. At last, they came before an iron gate.
8: A
7: churchyard. Here, then. The wretched man whose name I must now learn lay underneath the ground. Spirit, you stand among the graves, yet point down to one. Before I draw nearer to that stone to which you point, answer me one question Are these the shadows of the things that will be? or are they the shadows of things that may be only? Here, the name upon the stone, and the name is Ebenezer Scrooge. I am not the man I was. Why show me this if I am past all hope? Good Spirit, your nature intercedes for me and pities me. Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me that I may sponge away the writing on this stone. I am not the man I was! I'll change! I'll change! I'll change! I'll change! I'll change! I'll... 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 What? What's this? My bedpost! My bed curtains, My own bed! <laughs> My own room! I am home! Oh, good spirit! I promise! I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. Though Jacob Marley, Heaven and the Christmas time be praised. I don't know what to do. I, I, I am as light as a feather. <laughs> I, I'm i as happy as an angel. <laughs> I, I am as merry as a schoolboy. I, <laughs> I am as giddy as a drunken man. <laughs> uh, I don't know what day of the month it is. I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. I don't know anything. <laughs> to the window! Merry Christmas! Uh, oh! What's today? You! You there! Boy! Yes! You, my lad! What then? What's today, my fine fellow? Today? Why, it's Christmas Day! It's... It's Christmas Day! I... I... I haven't missed it! The spirits have done it all in one night! (laughs) Well now, they can do anything they like! (laughs) Of course they can! (laughs) Of course they can! Merry Christmas, my fine fellow! Hello! Do you know the poulterers in the next street but one, at the corner?
5: I should hope I
7: did. (laughs) An intelligent boy. Remarkable boy. Do you know whether they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging up there? Not the little prize turkey. The big one.
5: What? The one as big as me?
7: (laughs) Delightful boy. Yes, my lad. That's the one. What's hanging there now? Is it? Go and buy it. What? Go on then. No, no. I am in earnest. Go and buy it and tell them to bring it here that I may give them the direction where to take it. Come back with the man and I'll give you a shilling. Come back with him in less than five minutes and I'll give you half a crown. I'll send it to Bob (laughs) Cratchit. He shan't know who sent it. It's twice the size
4: of Tiny Tim. That noble jest accomplished, Scrooge dressed himself all in his best, and at last got out into the streets. Scrooge had not gone far. When coming on towards him, he beheld those who had walked into his counting house the day before. A word with you
7: both, if you please. A word. How do you do? I hope you succeeded yesterday. It was very kind of you a Merry Christmas to you both. Mr. Scrooge? Yes, that is my name, and I fear it may not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon. And will you have the goodness of accepting this meager donation? Here, allow me to write it for you. And there. Will that be sufficient?
5: Lord, bless me. My dear Mr. Scrooge, such a sum. Are you serious?
7: I am, and not a farthing less. Will you do me that favor?
5: My dear sir,
6: I don't know what to say to such generosity. Uh, Don't say anything,
4: please. God bless you, Mr. Scrooge. In the afternoon, he turned his steps towards his nephew's house. He passed the door a dozen times before he had the courage to go up and knock. An astonished maid allowed him entrance, and Scrooge crept timidly toward the dining hall.
2: Why, bless my
7: soul! It's Uncle Scrooge! It is I. I have come to dinner. Will you let me in, Fred? Let you in? My heavens, Uncle Scrooge! Uncle Ebenezer, come in! Come in! And this. This must be Janet. Can you forgive me, my dear? Forgive an old fool who has wasted too many years and forsaken your dear company? Oh, Uncle
5: Ebenezer, bless you. Welcome. You've made Fred so happy. So
4: very, very happy. And so Scrooge sat at the table with his nephew and his niece... And their fellowship. But he was early at the office next morning. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob. He was a full 18 minutes and a half behind his time.
7: Mr. Cratchit, what do you
3: mean by coming here at this time of day? I'm, I'm very sorry, sir. I, I am behind my time. Yes, I should say you are. Step this way, if you please, Mr. Cratchit. It, it's only once a year, sir. It shall not be repeated. I, I was making rather merry yesterday, sir.
7: Now, I'll tell you what. Mr. Cratchit, I am not going to stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, and therefore, I am going to raise your salary. (laughs) Sir? (laughs) Excuse me, sir? Oh, oh, Bob, wait, come back, Bob. A Merry Christmas, Bob. (laughs) A merry Christmas, Bob! A merrier Christmas, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family. And we will discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop, Bob! (laughs) Ha 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 ha! make up the fires and and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye bob cratchit <laughs> oh, oh i don't deserve to be this happy i can't help it <laughs> merry christmas
4: scrooge was better than his word he did it all and infinitely more And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. And ever afterwards, and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us, and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone.
3: We hope you've enjoyed KMST's original production of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Our program was produced by John Larson and adapted for radio and directed by Daniel Reardon. Our thanks go to Lori Francis, director of the Missouri S&T Choir, David Kress, director of the s and Brass Ensemble, our organist, Dr. Michael Bruning, and Owen Smith, our music scores composer. A Christmas Carol was brought to you by KMST, the Missouri S&T Theater and Music Divisions of the Department of Arts, Language, and Philosophy, and the Department of English and Technical Communication. I'm John Francis. On behalf of all of us at KMST and Missouri University of Science and Technology, Merry Christmas, good night, and God bless us, everyone.